Hey there, you are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Jones, and this is episode number 27, The Skill of Self-Confidence. You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast for women who want to find clarity of mind, create lasting emotional well-being and confidence, and achieve amazing potential. Come with me. This will be fun. Betty, welcome to the podcast today. How are you? We are keeping pretty busy over here with the school year winding down, much busier than we've been used to now that things are picking up after a pretty slow year, but it's nice. I can't complain. We've got some good things going on. Um, so this week I have a fun topic for you. A few weeks ago I had the opportunity to go and speak to the young women um, at church about confidence, and I just loved putting together a little presentation for them to help them better understand that confidence is something that is so much more available and accessible to them than they probably think it is. So I think a lot of us grow grow up with the idea that confidence comes from outside of us, whether it's from compliments or validation from other people, likes on social media, maybe we think it comes from being successful or popular or having certain things. Um, Maybe if we have the right house or clothes or friends or accomplishments, then we'll feel confident. But guess what? In reality, confidence doesn't come from any of that. Confidence is an inside job. And when you really understand what that means and how confidence works, you can create confidence for yourself in any situation you find yourself in. I have a couple of clients right now who are working through some really tough issues that look very different from the outside, but when you really look at the main cause of their suffering, a lot of it actually stems from a lack of confidence in their own ability to handle what's going on in their lives, um, and confidence in their ability to handle what, what might happen in the future. And I think that's true for a lot of us. I know it's been true for me for sure in my own life as well. So I thought it would be fun today to dive into the subject of self-confidence, what it is, and how we can get more of it. Okay, so first of all, I want to share with you a couple of ways that are, that are helpful for me to think about confidence, and then I'll give you some ideas, some actions you can take, um, some things you can do to build more confidence in yourself. So let's start out by defining confidence. There are lots of definitions of confidence out there, and the one that I shared with those young women was that confidence is to be secure in yourself and your abilities. It's a feeling of trust in one's abilities, qualities, and judgment. So confidence is a feeling which means it comes from, where do our feelings come from? If you said thoughts, good job. Our feelings are generated by our thoughts. And so the confidence you feel, or lack thereof, isn't coming from what's happening outside of you. Technically, it isn't coming from your environment or your circumstance or from other people, even though that's what we usually attribute it to, right? But how you feel about yourself is coming from what is going on inside of your brain. Those sentences in your mind, your thinking, that's what's going to determine whether you're feeling confident or some other emotion that's the opposite of confident, whether it's insecure, maybe self-conscious, incapable, uncertain, however you would describe the opposite of confidence for you. So going back to our definition, confidence is a feeling that we generally associate with words like certainty or trust. We can have confidence in different things, right? Like we can have confidence that the sun is going to come up in the morning. Maybe um, back in school you were confident about taking a test that you felt well prepared for. You probably feel confident doing things that you've done a lot of times. 
Uh, maybe you're confident you can drive to the school to pick up your kids or you feel confident that you can make a batch of your favorite cookies or even simple things like doing the laundry or going to the store. There are all these little tasks we do every day that we just do. We don't question ourselves or our abilities because we have lots of experience doing them, lots of evidence that we've been successful doing them before. So that's great and that serves us really well in our lives, but what about being confident in the things we haven't done before or maybe even feeling confident when we haven't been successful? And to me, this, this is the difference between confidence and self-confidence. So confidence comes from experience, experiencing success, right? From knowing that we've done something successfully in the past and that it's possible for us. Self-confidence, on the other hand, is being able to go into trying something new, something you haven't done before, or maybe you some, something you haven't been successful at before, um, and to know that you're going to be okay, even if it doesn't work out. So um, self-confidence means that you can still have your own back and move forward. You're not going to beat yourself up or get super stressed out or quit just because this time around um, you didn't get the result you were hoping for. So in a nutshell, I like to think um, about confidence, that confidence comes um, when we experience success and self-confidence comes when we know that we can successfully experience failure and still feel valuable and worthy and connected and loved. And something that's important to remember is that the part of your brain that's usually running the show, that lower brain of yours, the part of your brain focused on your survival, it does not produce self-confidence naturally. Its primary function is to keep you safe, and it does this by producing emotions like fear and worry and doubt. But just because self-confidence isn't generally our natural reaction to things, it doesn't mean that we can't build it within ourselves. The more I learn about self-confidence, the more I understand that it truly is a skill that we can develop, which is great news. And the more we learn how to cultivate it within ourselves, the more we can help our kids and other people in our lives learn how to do it as well. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about some things you can start doing today to feel more confident. Um, first and foremost, we need to have a talk about your self-talk. How is it? Do you listen to how you talk to yourself? Are you even aware of it? Because I think if we could hear the way that we talk to ourselves sometimes, we would be shocked. We would probably hear ourselves saying things that we would um, be horrified saying to another person. Um, I love this thought by Robert Kiyosaki. He says, it's not what you say out of your mouth that determines your life. It's what you whisper to yourself that has the most power. Your inner voice has a huge impact on your level of confidence. It can be a force for good in your life, or it can be a source of negativity and discouragement. So when you become aware of what kind of effect your self-talk is having on you, you will see why keeping those conversations with yourself positive and productive are so important. It might be helpful um, for you to do like a thought download when you're feeling triggered by emotions like um, embarrassment, shame, failure, insecurity. Just kind of listen to that voice in your head when you're feeling those things um, from the perspective of an observer. No judgment there, right? But really get present with and aware of what exactly it is you're saying to yourself in those moments. I love the idea of being critical of your inner critic, which is basically saying that you have the power to question your inner critic. Just because someone says something to you, it doesn't make it true. You don't have to believe them, right? Well, the same goes for your inner critic. You certainly don't have to believe everything he or she is telling you. And maybe what your critic is saying does have some truth to it. I think the problem isn't so much that our critic points out areas that we can improve. It's not like we're trying to get to a place of I'm perfect, everything I do is great, <laughs> I don't have to, I don't have anything I need to work on, right? It's not ignoring or pay, paying attention to those things that we wanna do better. But the tricky thing about our inner critic is that it uses these things to shame us and make us question our value or our worthiness. 
So that's where we want to really be paying attention because you might be thinking, I really want to do better at keeping my house clean, which is a worthy desire, right? But that inner critic can kind of sneak in and start attacking by saying things like, you're so lazy, no wonder your house is always a mess, or you just don't have it together enough to stay on top of it all. It's just not possible for you, right? Those are lies that we want to question. Those are the things that our inner voice whispers that will cause the problems for us. And the great thing is you can talk back to your inner critic. Did you know that? You can even give it a name. That's what I did. I actually gave her a name and a face and I'm getting really good at recognizing her and her tactics. She really likes to tell me things like, um, you don't belong, you'll never be good enough, who do you think you are? And things like you're just not the kind of person who um, can accomplish this big goal, right? Things like that. She sounds like a mean girl, very judgmental of me, talks down to me a lot. And since I've kind of identified her and given myself a really clear visual of who she is and what her strategy is, I'm getting better and better at stopping her in her tracks and talking back to her, questioning her, not letting her sabotage my self-confidence. It takes some practice, but it's so amazing to really reap the benefits of doing this work. So if you are struggling with your confidence, if you feel like discouragement or insecurity or any other negative emotions are taking over your life, I think the first step is to really take a look at the quality of your self-talk. Okay, tip number two. When I first started learning about life coaching years and years ago, I heard a definition of confidence that I just loved. Um, And here it is. Confidence is being willing to feel any emotion. And I think the reason this resonated so much with me is that I had grown up feeling very insecure, very shy, and very unsure of myself. And as I look back on my life, I can see a lot of experiences and opportunities that I avoided or missed out on because I was so afraid that if it didn't go well, if I messed up, um, that I'd be embarrassed or I'd look bad in front of other people and then they wouldn't like me or they wouldn't think I was very capable or worthwhile. I was very, very self-conscious, very concerned about other people's opinions of me, and I didn't really live up to my full potential in a lot of areas because of this, because I was so afraid of failing or looking dumb. But really, when I look back, why was failure a problem? Why was someone's negative opinion of me a problem? What was the worst thing that could happen? So the worst thing, are you ready, is that I would experience an emotion. That's it. I could possibly feel humiliated or rejected or left out or ashamed. And I don't mean to discount how awful these emotions can feel. They can definitely feel very real and very powerful. But in the end, they're just emotions, right? They're just chemical reactions, vibrations causing us to feel something physical inside of us, right? And even though they seem to just come up automatically, even though it seems like I don't have a choice about whether I feel that emotion in the moment, um, I do have a choice about what I make it mean and how I handle it. And so a lot of what I've learned through coaching is how to handle emotions. And I've talked about this in previous episodes. Emotions don't have to be scary. They don't have to have as much power over us as we sometimes give them. We don't have to avoid them. We don't have to resist them. We don't have to react to them. We can acknowledge them. We can figure out what message they are trying to to give us and then decide what we want to do with that information. And I know this sounds great logically, but when you're in the middle of a really difficult or uncomfortable emotion, it doesn't really feel like you can choose something different. And you don't have to, right? But it's very helpful to acknowledge where that emotion is coming from, your brain, or even maybe your rehearsed reaction to things happening outside of you. And then to make a conscious decision about how you want to handle it. How do you want to feel in that situation? So if you want to hear more about this um, topic, just go back a couple of episodes. Um, There's one called Don't Believe Everything You Feel. It's got a lot more information on emotions and how to handle the ones that you feel like you don't have any control over. 
And so I love the idea that confidence is a willingness to feel any emotion. When you aren't terrified of your emotions, when you get some leverage over them, this is when you start to feel so much more empowered in your life. This is when you stop avoiding things that you don't want to do um, and that because you're afraid of how you might feel, right? I believe that this is at the root of so much of the anxiety that people experience in the world today. They don't have the confidence that they can handle a certain situation or emotion. Um, and that just creates layers of stress and fear and doubt and all these kinds of feelings that just keep us stuck and keep us from progressing and trying new things. So don't let the possibility of a negative emotion stop you from going after the things and the opportunities you want to take in your life. Be willing to feel. Believe that you can handle any emotion that comes your way. That, my friends, speaking from my own experience, is self-confidence. Okay, tip number three, and this is a big one. This is another one that has been huge for me. So back at the beginning of this episode, when we looked at one of the definitions of confidence, the word trust was in there. And to me, one of the biggest ways to build self-confidence is to learn to trust yourself. So what does that look like? Well, trusting yourself means believing that you will show up for yourself just like you would for another person. It means that if you say you're going to do something, you do it. You follow through. Now, for me, it's pretty easy to follow through on something that I said I would do for somebody else, but I haven't always been very good at following through on doing things for myself. It's very easy for me to justify away my desires or commitments to myself by prioritizing other things over them, by not making time for them, or even just telling myself I don't really feel like doing that thing anymore, even though I said I would do it. And this may not seem like a huge deal in the short term, but in the long run, failing to keep your promises to yourself results in a lack of trust in yourself and actually harms your confidence and your relationship with yourself. So think about this. If there was someone in your life who kept telling you that they were going to do something, but then they always came up with excuses about why they couldn't or why they didn't have time or they didn't feel like it, how great do you think your relationship would be with that person? What would your confidence be in them? Would you trust them very much? Would you want to hang out with them? Would you think very highly of them? Probably not. Well, it's the same when you have created patterns of letting yourself down. Even though it doesn't seem like it's as big of a deal as letting someone else down, it's still damaging to your self-confidence and your self-concept. So if you say you're going to do something, maybe it's that you're going to work out or you're going to eat less sugar. It's going to, maybe you want to make your bed every day or um, make time to read a book with your kids, um, pursue a talent or a new hobby, whatever it is, follow through on it. Show yourself that you are worth showing up for and making time for. And again, this isn't something to beat yourself up over. It's just kind of interesting to notice these little changes that we can make to improve the relationships that we have with ourselves by believing that we are worth keeping our own promises to. All right, Uh, we've made it to the last tip for building your confidence. And this is one that in my mind kind of trumps all the others. And this is something that's probably had the most impact on my self-concept and what I believe is possible for myself and for my life. So the last thing I want to talk about today has to do with our spiritual connection to God. I believe that God is our father, the father of our spirits, that he created us, and that we literally have his divine DNA within us. And the more I have come to understand who he is and how he views us as his children and what he wants for us and what he has in store for us, the more I understand my own value and worth and potential. And the better I can see those things, um, see those things in, in people around me as well. So when I talked to the young women about this, I shared the book, You Are Special With Them 
by Max Licato. And they were all so cute. They're all very familiar with the book. And we all agreed that it's one of our very favorites. But if you haven't heard it before, I'm going to give you a quick synopsis. So it's the story of a village of little wooden people called Wemix who walk around all day giving each other stickers. Now they each have a little box of star stickers and dot stickers and they have taken it upon themselves to label each other with either a star sticker which means that the person who gave you the sticker thinks that you are um, beautiful or talented or just a really good wooden person so either get a star sticker or a dot sticker and the dot sticker means um, that you're not very beautiful that you have flaws that maybe you're clumsy or silly or just not very likable and so when we are introduced to the main character of our story, he's a little wooden man named Pentanello. And this poor little wooden guy is just covered in dots. In fact, when people see all of his dots, they go up and put more dots on him just because he has so many. They think he must deserve more. Well, at least as he um, walks around town and he sees all the people labeling each other with stars and dots, he can't help but just get discouraged and think to himself that this can't be a good way for them to live. Um, and then one day he meets another little Wemmick who is unlike any other he's ever seen. And what makes her different is she has no stickers. She doesn't have any star stickers. She doesn't have any dot stickers. And he's totally confused at how this could be. So he asks her, you know, what's the deal? Why hasn't anybody given you any stickers? And I love her answer. She tells him that people, people do try to give her stickers, but they just don't stick. And now Pinchinello is really fascinated. And he asks how this is even possible. And this is when she lets him in on her little secret. She tells him that every day she goes to visit the woodcarver named Eli. And she tells Pentanella that he needs to go and see him, but he's a little skeptical about whether or not such an important person would want to see him. Well, he decides finally that he wants to go see for himself. And so he goes up to Eli's big house up on the hill and he's a little timid. He doesn't know what to expect, but when he sees, um, when Eli sees that he's come, he welcomes Punchinello in and is so glad to see him. And as Punchinello talks with Eli, he learns why the stickers won't stick to his wooden friend. And I'm going to just quote this little part of their conversation because I love it so much. Every day I've been hoping you come, Eli explained. I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinello. I know, she told me about you. Why don't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly. Because she has decided what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about their stickers. So Eli then tells Pentanello to come and spend time with him every day so he can be reminded of how much he is loved and valued. And I think this is just such a great analogy for the relationship that we have with our own maker, with our own heavenly father. He wants us to draw near to him so that he can fill us with his light and his love. And I have found that the more consistent I am in strengthening this relationship with him, the more confident and sure of myself I become. Okay, so I hope these tips have been helpful for you. And if any of them resonated with you, I challenge you to take just one of them this week and figure out how you can apply it in your own life. Building the skill of self-confidence is for sure a process. It takes work, it takes practice, but I promise that it is a skill that you can learn and improve on. And of course, if you'd like help um, or more clarity with any of the things I talk about on this podcast, come find me on Instagram at Annette Jones Coaching. You can DM me with questions or even set up a consult call to see how working with a coach can really help you tackle your goals and get you where you're wanting to go in your own life. All right, have a great week and I will be back soon.
I know.